Hi, friends. It's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. So glad get to join me we get to see each other through the radio waves each and every saturday morning and thanks for telling all your friends family you become the orthopedic surgeon in the family but a big thanks to brian croft and gordon kolodny at cedars for really allowing this show to continue it's such a beautiful thing in my life to be able to teach you guys all about how the body works and how the world of art works and all the world of sports. And guess what? After 10 years, ESPN is going to run on Sundays a replay of today's show. Can you imagine? Starts tomorrow, actually. And don't miss the Facebook page where Steve Paulette gets to be just the most creative guy taking the words I speak and putting pictures to them. I can't wait each and every week to see what he comes up with with the Facebook page. Listen, the only thing I know about Facebook is I got a face for radio. So he ain't going to see me unless Steve Paulette puts me on there. So thank God he's doing that. My guest at 8.15, you don't want to miss, is a really young and bright superstar at Cedar sinai a place I'm so proud to call my home for my whole career in orthopedic surgery. This week I saw 100 patients like I usually do and did 14 surgeries. My month of October is going to be so packed. I love it. I just love it. After 31 years, I cannot wait till the next day in the office or in the operating room. And I love bridging the gap of the world of art, the world of sports, and the world of surgery. So my guest at 815 is a young surgeon, a new surgeon at Cedars, starting out in practice, who is quite amazing. He's brilliant and great with his hands. And he's going to be a foot and ankle surgeon with a long career at Cedars. His name is Dr. Max Mahalski, and you're going to hear him at 8.15. I said to him, Max, what is it that's most fascinating to you? The history of foot and ankle problems. What plagues the NBA players? The fracture that they get in the foot that really does a number on their career. We saw it in Pau Gasol. We saw it in the Lopez brothers. And we saw it in Kevin Durant. He needed three different surgeries for this same difficult foot fracture called a Jones fracture. It's the fifth metatarsal. It's that long bone in the middle of your foot between your pinky toe and your ankle joint, the metatarsal. It breaks in the same spot. It doesn't break in the middle. Here's a clap revision. It's like a yellow pencil. It breaks where the eraser has that metal clasp around the wooden yellow yellow pencil it breaks right at the junction of that metal clasp holding the eraser on the pencil that's the jones fracture it breaks right there i said max why does it break there every time and he said it's because the grip of the ligaments holds that bone to the foot where the eraser and the clasp is 
leaving the remainder of the yellow pencil free in your foot to move up and down. That's the breaking point. So I thought all week, where in art, where in sports, do we see that breaking point idea where all this stress is manifest, where that freedom occurs just above the tight grip? Well, in sports, when you throw a baseball to try to strike someone out, that batter is trying to hit the baseball in the sweet spot of the baseball bat, the barrel of the bat. But if you're Mariano Rivera, the son of a fisherman in Panama, who's able to grip the baseball in a way that nobody else can grip it, you can make that fastball spin and have the ball drop eight inches. 94 mile an hour pitch dropping eight inches. It's like a heat-seeking missile to almost hit the batter's hands, but right above the grip on the bat by the batter, that baseball will hit at 94 miles an hour because of the drop of the baseball, because of the pitch, and break the bat. It's called a cutter. Let's listen to Vince Scully talk about Mariano Rivera. Number one. Mariano, 6'2", 190. He's had 19 years in the big leagues. He has 641 saves. He's been a closer since 1997. He certainly had the Yankees win four World Series in five years. This year, Rivera, even at his tender age, has a brilliant earned run average of 1.64. At his tender age and 19 years in the big leagues, towards the end of his career, he was still so good. He was Kobe Bryant scoring 60 points in his last game, still capable of doing it, but decided to retire. He had only one pitch that he fell in love with. It was called the cutter. Listen to Vince Scully talk about why that pitch was so valuable to Mariano Rivera. Number two. The cutter, which is a fastball that breaks, they say that his cutter breaks about eight inches. It's a remarkable pitch. Basically, it's the only pitch he throws now. And even though they know it's coming, they can't handle it. And that pitch breaks bats. It's a Jones fracture in sports. It breaks the bat right above the grip of the batter on the bat. Number three. The New York Times did a study years ago, and they said in 2001, Mariano Rivera broke 44 bats. So with that in mind, when he made his farewell appearance in Minnesota, they presented him with a rocking chair made up of broken bats. In 1999, the World Series, the Yankees were playing the Atlanta Braves. The batter, Ryan Klesko, broke his bat and got a new one. Broke his bat and got another one. Broke his bat. He broke three bats in a row at a single at-bat because of Mariano Rivera's cutter. The Jones fracture in sports is the cutter pitch. What about in art? Ah. My world of sculpting in marble, my love affair with the great Michelangelo, 
He was a master. You know what he did? He understood that you had to grip the sculpture and spread out the holding of the bat, spread out the stress. So although David is standing there 17 feet tall, holding his slingshot, now I need you to look at that sculpture and pay attention to his knee, his ankle, and his feet, and see that behind the right ankle of Michelangelo's David, he sculpts in the marble what looks like a tree stump that comes up his leg. Why did he do that? Because he understood the Jones fracture. He understood Mariano Rivera's cutter pitch. You gotta spread and distribute the attachment of the sculpture to the base. Because if you don't, that sculpture will snap. Sculptors at Forest Lawn Cemetery, Italian sculptors saying, hey, you need a sculpture of Michelangelo's, Michelangelo's David for your cemetery? I'll make one for you. But they're not the masters. They don't understand sharing the stress of the sculpture like Michelangelo did. So over the years at the Glendale and Cypress Forest Lawn Cemetery, there have been six replicas of Michelangelo's David. Every one of them has broken after an earthquake. Silmar earthquake, Whittier earthquake, Northridge earthquake, and even the earthquake we had in January. Boom goes the David, because these sculptors are not Michelangelo. Let's listen to the story of the Jones fracture in art. Let's go to number six. It's Michelangelo's statue of David and it is in danger of collapsing due to weak ankles. Who would have thought? Italian researchers are worried that Michelangelo's statue of David may be in danger of collapsing due to weak ankles. So experts have long been concerned that the marble statue, which is now roughly 500 years old, has long stood as one of history's most triumphant achievements in art, but it may have suffered structural damage. And what do you expect? Let's go to number seven. It's been in an area that's been highly trafficked in museums for a very long time. Thousands of people visit the statue, and over the course of hundreds of years, those footsteps alone are going to take a toll. Not to mention the fact that nearby traffic in the rumble, the subsonic rumble coming from the traffic, can cause a lot of disruption to these statues. You don't think about it on a day-to-day -day basis, but when you have it on a long enough time scale, this can cause serious damage to works of art like this one. Number eight. So the relatively poor quality of the marble that was used to sculpt David is thought to have played a part in the present troubles as well. For hundreds of years it was displays out, displayed outdoors and sometimes at a slight angle, which is also not good for the piece of artwork. Experts don't believe that the statue is in any immediate danger of falling over, but a strong earthquake could potentially topple the Marble King and break it. There have been earthquakes in Italy. It hasn't fallen over, so I'm not so worried because Michelangelo made it not some copycat guy. Number nine, Richard Fowler still speaking. To find out how dangerous cracks could be to the statue's longevity, experts are constructing replicas of David's ankles and exposing them to various degrees of pressure. And the National Research Council warned in a statement that microfractures are visible in the left ankle in the carved tree stump that bears some of David's weight, threatening the stability of the sculpture. The cracks have been known by experts for some time, and they were first detected around 1850, Nowadays, they are more extensive than they were back then. 
How'd you like to visit a Jones fracture firsthand? Forget about you breaking your foot. Forget about you breaking your bat. Mariano Rivera has retired. Can you actually see a Jones fracture in the world of art for yourself? Yes, you can. Because at Cal State Fullerton, one of the forest lawn replica Davids that fell due to the Whittier earthquake is displayed in all its glory, in all its pieces on the campus of Cal State Fullerton. This young girl visited, you'll hear footsteps as she's walking on the campus of Cal State Fullerton to go see essentially what a Jones fracture really looks like. Let's go to number one. So basically on October 1st, 1987 at 7.42 a.m., a 5.9 magnitude earthquake rocked Whittier called the Whittier Narrows quake. Caused $358 million in damage, killed eight people, destroyed 123 homes and 1,347 apartments. Number two. Basically, this statue used to be at the Forest Lawn Memorial Park in Cyprus. But when that earthquake happened, this uh, David fell to the ground. Fortunately, it was on grass, so he didn't shatter to bits. He just broke in pieces. And he's a replica of Michelangelo's David statue. Number three. He called Forest Lawn, saying he was interested in acquiring the pieces for Cal State Fullerton. Apparently, there were other people also interested in this statue. Says he felt he might only have a long shot. He was up against 20 to 30 other institutions in Southern California trying to get the statue, but his idea won out. An alumnus from Cal State Fullerton, number four. He called Forest Lawn, saying he was interested in acquiring the pieces for Cal State Fullerton. Apparently, there were other people also interested in this statue says he felt he might only have a long shot he was up against 20 to 30 other institutions in Southern California trying to get the statue, but his idea won out. And number five. Apparently the statue did stand for 20 years in the Cypress Forest Lawn Cemetery from 1967 to obviously 1987 when the earthquake happened. It was carved in Florence, Italy from, excuse my, uh, don't know how to pronounce, Carrara marble. The same marble from the same quarry the Michelangelo's David came from, more than 400 years apart. I've never been to Cal State Fullerton. Now I have a reason to go. I want to see the fallen David so that I can see in person what a fracture occurs where the stress leaves and the action begins. Can't wait to visit Cal State Fullerton. Can't wait to talk to the great Dr. Max Mahalski about your foot and having a fracture of the David sculpture in your foot, having a bat break in your foot, the idea of the Jones fracture. He'll explain more coming up next on the Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show presented by Cedar sinai What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. What? Who are you? What did you just say? Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. He's chiseled out of marble. He's got 48 chest and a 32-inch waist. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Break up to make up <laughs> Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. 
talking about breakups, all right. We're talking about your bone breaking, called a Jones fracture. We're talking about a sculpture breaking because of a Jones fracture. And we're talking about baseball, a baseball bat breaking because of the cutter pitch cracking the bat right above the handle. In medicine, we call it a Jones fracture. And nobody knows more about it than my guest, Dr. Max Mahalski. Max, thanks so much for getting up early to be with us. Good morning, Dr. Clapper. Have you been listening? What do you think of my idea of art and sports and a Jones fracture? I think it's great. (laughs) I am so proud of you, Max, knowing you for so long as a college student, I think, right? Yep, it's been many years, back when I was an engineering student. And what what a beautiful thing to be able to see you at the launch of your career now and how exciting it is. We all benefit having someone like you in medicine. Tell us where it all began. What did your dad do for a living? Where did you grow up? And how did Cupid shoot you in the heart to said you want to be a doctor? Well, my dad was an engineer. He was a mechanical engineer. And my mom was a math teacher. So I was down this path of engineering kind of my whole life. Um, mm-hmm. Grew up in my basement building things kind of like you with your sculptures. And uh, mm-hmm. that led me into engineering in school. And I got really fascinated in biomechanics. And so I started studying that. And... When you can apply it to medicine, basically that's orthopedic surgery. Mm-hmm. And where did you grow up? Uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Nice. I, I'm a badger. I went there for 10 years undergrad. I did my master's in engineering and then medical school. You know where the Wisconsin Dells are? Of course. Don't you have some land up there? That's right. Big old farm on a lake right in the middle of Mad- near Madison, Wisconsin. Wow. You know what? The nicest people you'll ever meet come from the Midwest. And I have a theory. You know why they're so nice? Because at any moment, it could become 20 below zero. And they want to have a relationship with you in case they need to move into your house. (laughs) (laughs) How about the ice cream at the University of Wisconsin, the Madison County? What's it called? Baskin Palmer or something? Babcock. And uh, made right there on campus with the uh, agricultural school. And they have cows on the campus designated to be the cows to make the cream, to make the ice cream, right? That's right. (laughs) I love it. Um, Okay, before we go any further, of all the flavors you've had there, what's the greatest flavor they make for ice cream at the University of Wisconsin in Madison? Well, they have a thing called Barry Alvarez, named after the old football coach and uh, (laughs) athletic director, and it's it's berry flavored, obviously. Oh, my God. So, Max, teach us. What is it that fascinates you most about the 26 bones that make up the foot that is an area you could have picked knees and hips and shoulders and spine and you picked foot and ankle? What is it that touched you so much? Well, it's the fact that you have so many bones that have to work in harmony to both absorb the shock of your body and take a pounding, yet be able to forcefully propel it forward Mm. it needs to be this gentle structure that can absorb everything but this powerful structure that can just you know launch you in the air and run forward Mm. i think it's back to the engineering days looking at the biomechanics and now i just get to apply it to people every day what's fascinating to me is not only we'll get into it the jones fracture but look at how the lakers are basically just going to walk right through the miami heat even though they give us a lot of lip service that they still fear them, they're great, blah, blah. Listen, 
their best point guard, Goran Dragic, tore his plantar fascia. Once again, injuries are going to decide what is it or who is it that's going to win this latest championship. It's time for us in orthopedic surgery to design a better sneaker, to design a better cleat, to design a better shoe for all sports because a lot of the injuries we see come from the contact between the foot and the turf and the court. And I can't think of anybody better than you, Max, to come up with a better sneaker that will actually prevent a lot of these injuries. So teach us, teach us about the anatomy of the fifth metatarsal and why it's called a Jones fracture and why it fractures. All right, well, we'll start with why it's called a Jones fracture. because It's really unique, you know. There's a lot of fractures out there named after old white guys who were surgeons and wanted their <laughs> names on things. But uh, Jones was not only the first person to describe this injury, he was the, first, he was the patient. Wow. He was, a, he was a, in the military, and he injured himself dancing around at a military gathering. He twisted his foot. You know, in the morning he woke up, he's like, ah, this is still, this is still bugging me. And at the time, no one believed you could break a metatarsal just by twisting your foot. It had to be like a carriage running over it or a crush injury. Uh, he, was in a, he was kind of poised in this unique situation where he was one of the first doctors to have an x-ray machine in his office in 1896. Wow. And uh, he actually was the first person to publish papers using x-ray in orthopedics in, in clinically to fish out a, a bullet that was in a 12-year-old's hand. Instead of having to dig around and dissect out the entire hand, he can localize it with the x-ray and go straight to it. So anyways, he hurt his foot. He got an x-ray and he was shocked. He broke his fifth metatarsal. Hmm. So he's, you know, this is unique, but then more and more people coming in with these sprains and twisting injuries to his office and he gets x-rays and they have broken fifth metatarsals. Hmm. So then he went on to publish this as the first paper on it. And uniquely, his own x-rays were in the paper that he published. Wow. Can you distinguish for us, Max, the idea of a bone breaking because of an acute injury versus a bone that breaks because it repeatedly has been seeing the, the tiny earthquake? In other words, the acute versus the chronic does it does the fracture occur in the same spot in the bone or is it a different spot in the bone so typically the more acute ones are more proximal and they tend to be a more of a, a a avulsion type fracture where you get pull of the strong muscles of the peroneus brevis and you have the plantar fascia inserting on that proximal base mm -hmm. those oftentimes are the acute injuries mm -hmm. now there's debate out there as to whether or not you can have an acute true Jones fracture, which is more distal. The reason they occur from these, you know, tiny earthquakes or stress risers is that over time, your body constantly is putting weight on this and it's on the, it's the lowest part of the outside of your foot. Mm -hmm. and you have these strong ligamentous attachments at the tuberosity, right at the base. Mm -hmm. And then distal to it, you have nothing. It's just kind of mm -hmm. free. And so there's this stress riser right at the just distal to where all those ligaments insert. So when this happens, it's just the body unable to make bone faster than the body keeps breaking it. That's how a stress fracture happens. 
So it's trying, it's getting loaded, and the body responds by putting down bone. But if you're big and heavy enough, like NFL linemen where it's pretty common, uh, but we don't hear about it because no one really knows the names of the linemen, but they're the most common ones to have it because it's just so much weight at that base, and then there's this distal segment that just doesn't have the, the support. And just to translate a little bit, I want the listeners to think of the bone we're talking about as a yellow pencil where when Max uses the word proximal or base, he's talking about the yellow pencil on top of your foot, let's say, where the point is touching the pinky toe and the eraser is touching closer to the ankle. So proximal or base, he's talking about the eraser and the metal ring of the pencil. And when he says distal, he's talking about closer to the tip of the pencil. Max, we understand that when we walk, our foot, our heel bone, first makes contact, better known as heel strike. Our foot then becomes flat. We call that mid-stance. And, and to launch ourselves, propel ourselves to the next step, we call it toe off. We understand that if we deal with a stiffer-soled shoe, we put less stress on the bones because the stiffness of the shoe launches us forward because there's less flexibility. The shoe does the work, if you will. And why is it then that people like Nike tell us that you should actually be running barefoot? And they made this crazy sneaker, which looks like a glove, if you will, for your foot, that actually is better mechanically for running. Think about that question I just asked. Can you stay on for another segment? Because I want to hear the answer. I'll pay no a couple of bills with some ads. Can you stay on, Max? Yep, I'm on. All right, so think about that answer. Stiffer sole shoe versus more flexibility in a shoe, which is actually better for us to prevent injuries? We'll get that answer from the great Dr. Max Mahalski. Coming up next on the Weekend Warriors Show here on 710 ESPN. You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show, presented by Cedar Sinai. What's going on, LA? This is Kobe Bryant. Oh my God, that's amazing! Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Google the Guggenheim every Saturday morning from seven to nine a.m. on ESPN, seven ten, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Learning a lot about how the foot and ankle works from an expert, the great Dr. Max Mahalski. Max, teach us. Stiffer sold shoe, more flexibility in the shoe. What's better for us? I think it's catered to each individual. But the thing is that the foot is a dynamic structure and a shoe is static. The foot is incredible in the way that it can be flexible when, you foot, when your foot hits the ground and absorb and then the muscles fire, lock it, and turn it into a stiff-soled shoe to propel you. So there's no one right answer because you either can have the shock absorption, which takes less stress on the body, but then you're not going to propel forward as well. Mm-hmm. You're losing some of that, that energy. Mm-hmm. Or you can have a stiff-soled shoe and put more stress through the foot and then have a better pro- propulsive surface. Mm-hmm. Similar to the way, you know, cyclists, they like their bike to be as stiff as possible because they don't want to lose any power in the bike. Mm-hmm. They don't have that absorption. They're not bouncing around on their bike. They're just on a flat road. Your mm-hmm. foot needs to land and absorb that 
energy every step of the way or every you know stride when you're running. So a soft-soled shoe is probably more protective in terms of you know absorbing that force, but then you're going to be expending more energy to propel. Now, in the case of Kevin Durant, his Jones fracture, his fifth metatarsal fracture, would not heal. He ultimately needed a bone graft. Why did that happen? Why are these fractures so difficult to heal? Well, it's similar to why they occur, is that there's this stress riser right there. So once they break, you have that base, the eraser of the pencil is in a vice. And then someone is flipping the tip of the pencil and moving it. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to get this to heal where one thing's stable and the other is moving around. There's that. And then there's also the blood flow. So it's kind of like a scaphoid, which you hear about in athletes in the hands. And when they break those, they don't heal. It's a very, it's a watershed area of the foot. And meaning mm -hmm. there's not a lot of blood flow. And now you break it there and you've torn some of the vessels. Mm -hmm. And so that needs some help. So oftentimes you put it, you know, these need to be fixed and especially in athletes who are trying to get back out there and you try okay. to do everything you can because these take months, you know, they can end the season. The Lakers are currently playing the Miami heat. Uh, and hopefully by Tuesday, they will close this series out. But once again, injuries have reared its ugly head. There are two foot and ankle injuries that have come to the forefront with the Miami Heat. One is the tear in the plantar fascia for Goran um, Dragic, and the other is the clear ankle sprain, torn ligament that Jimmy Butler suffered. Talk to, to us a little bit about the worry that when a simple ankle sprain occurred, not a high ankle sprain as in Jimmy Butler, how that affects what's known as proprioception, that burglar alarm sensor in the ligament that lets the perineal tendons fire to protect the ankle and how that's disrupted with a simple ankle sprain. Teach us about plantar fascia and the ability for that to heal before the playoffs are over or the, the championship is over and about ankle sprains. So we'll start with the ankle sprain and it's very interesting with the proprioception because there's a lot of nerves that go into those ligaments and when they get stretched, the body no longer has that reaction time that says, I'm being stretched, fire your muscles to protect me. Mm -hmm. The lateral ligaments start stretching and your body fires the perineal muscles on the outside of the foot to pull it over and to protect it. Now, when those get stretched, the body doesn't know it till too late. And now you start mm -hmm. spraining your ankle. And that's why it's oftentimes someone sprains their ankle once and they sprain it again and again. Mm -hmm. If you take these people and you have them try to balance on that foot, and they can do it because they're good athletes. Then you have them close their eyes. They lose that other sensory input, and they don't have the fibers, those Golgi fibers in the ankle to fire and tell them, hey, I'm moving. They, they can't balance very well. Wow. Just um, closing their eyes. And how about the plantar fascia tear? It's almost like he's done his own operation by ripping the plantar fascia so that it now will heal longer and he won't have a problem again. The problem is that takes a long time for that to happen. There's no way you can shoot him up or tape up his foot for him to be able to play normally, or am I wrong? No, it's, it, that's very tough because there's a difference between the plantar fascia tear and plantar fasciitis, which is so common. Almost everyone has it at some point. You know, the, the treatment for that is oftentimes 
the, the ultimate, which most people don't even need, is would be a surgery where you cut part of it out. Mm-hmm. But when you tear that, you've lost your force generator that takes the muscle from you, the, the power from your calf muscle going into your heel, and that pushes it to the front of the foot. That is your lever. Mm-hmm. And when you don't have that, you've lost your, your force to p- propel yourself forward. So the, the plantar fascia sees, sees extreme stresses trying to transfer the force from the heel to the forefoot. My best clap revision to try to explain this to the listener is a bow and arrow. The bow made of fiberglass is the arch, that solid arch that are the bones of your foot. So if you took the bow and arrow and had the bow coming off of the floor where the string is actually touching the floor, the string of the bow and arrow is what gives it that springy nature to the bow that's the plantar fascia when you acutely tear it like goran did and snap it you're you're snapping the string in the center of the string of the bow and arrow the chronic problem of plantar fasciitis is when you fray the attachment of the string to the tip of the bow of the bow and arrow it's two different locations for the tear how's that sound that's exactly right. <laughs> you like the clap revision, Max? It's great. It really, it really <laughs> simplifies things. Yeah. And you'll be able to use those things when you talk to patients because I feel that you empower the patient by being a good teacher, by being able to explain in simple terms that they can understand. You'll see the healing start to take place when you look at them in the eye. So learning how to use metaphors to describe these complex injuries and and reasons for their pain, I think is more effective than a cortisone shot or a pill from the drug company. So Max, how do people get a hold of you? They call Cedars, is there a website? How do we best, if we've got a foot and ankle, an Achilles tendon, whatever it is, how do people get a hold of you? Well, you can call Cedars um, or you can go to the website, which um, I have my own footandanklemax.com. Great. And how do you spell your last name? It's, yeah, it's Mahalski, but it's M-I-C-H-A-L-S-K-I. Perfect. So it's like Michael without an E and make it Polish. <laughs> Max, I can't tell you how proud I am all these years later to meet you in Vail, Colorado at that meeting, knowing that you wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon and the journey you've been on I just purr like a cat every time I see you, and I just know what a great career you're in for, and everyone will be so lucky to know you're someone we can trust and someone we can call with a foot and ankle problem. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, Dr. Clapper. Appreciate it. All right. My pleasure. What a young, beautiful person to have in the world of medicine, and he's at Cedars-Sinai, foot and ankle. Love him. All right. Coming up next, Warriors. I want to take you into the operating room. I want to explain, this week I took out loose fragments. They're called loose bodies in someone's knee. In a young kid, he's only 16 years old. How did it happen? Why does it happen? I'll explain. Shoulder as well. Let me know. Hip surgery too. Eh, I can do it all. You got an area of the body, I'll help explain it with some clap revision. I also got to tell you where that candy bar is. That changed my life this week. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show. The number is 877-710-ESPN here on 710-ESPN. 
You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show, presented by Cedar Sinai. What's going on, LA? This is Kobe Bryant. At 42 years old, you know what your new nickname is for me? <laughs> Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. You're not Matthew from Santa Monica anymore. You're Mr. Priop. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Game of love. That's what it should all be about. Find a purpose in life. And have a passion. That's what you're supposed to do with your life. The Game of Love. Michelle Branch and Carlos Santana. Just listen to that song and you can tell both of them. Have a purpose in life and have a passion. For me, that's the world of surgery, that's the world of art, and certainly that's the world of sports. Watching LeBron James channel Dr. Buss. Dr. Buss didn't go to medical school. He's a doctor because he's a chemist. PhD in chemistry from USC. He understood how bonding occurs in molecules. Water is H2O. Uh, two hydrogens and an oxygen. Because if you just have one hydrogen and one oxygen, you get peroxide. You need two hydrogens and an oxygen to get water. As crazy as it sounds to me, understanding how molecules bond, the chemistry amongst those molecules, is what allowed him to understand how to build the greatest franchise from top to bottom to hire Jerry West, to have Phil Jackson, and certainly to attract the likes of Magic Johnson, Kareem, Kobe, Shaq, and now to have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. You talk about chemistry. We witness it when we watch these two play. All I can think of, by the way, as dominant a player as Anthony Davis is, Can you imagine if he sat down with Kareem and learned how to do the skyhook? You know, today we're talking about the Jones fracture, where the bone is being gripped tightly at the eraser side of the yellow pencil. We call it the base of the bone, where the tip of the pencil, the shaft of the bit, gets to move a little bit. We're talking about Michelangelo's David being gripped to the pedestal by his feet, his ankle, and the tree stump that Michelangelo sculpted to give support to the rest of the 17-foot-tall sculpture so that it doesn't snap and break. That's, in essence, what the skyhook is. You block your, the defender with your body locking it in play. It can't touch you. That's why it's unguardable. And then that ball just flies out of that seven-footer into the sky, into the basket. Please, Anthony Davis, have a visit with Kareem. Learn the skyhook. Oh, my God. You know, you can tell I can talk so much, but I should open up the clinic. Let's go to Christine in Truckee. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help you? Good morning. How are you today? Good morning. Thanks for hanging on the line. I can talk. I can talk for hours. 
it's important to have other people talk as well. Thanks so much for listening. Well, and it's a pleasure to be on your show once again. Okay, so this is Chris. Yeah, Christian. I get it all the time. Christian, got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah no worries. So uh, how young are you and what do you do for a living? I am 49 years young. Okay. I am a real estate agent in Salt Lake City, Utah. <clears throat> Grew up mm -hmm. in the Bay Area. And, wow, so when uh, is the big birthday that you turn 50? Oh, New Year's Eve. Coming <laughs> right up. <laughs> well, I know what you're going to be doing, but I'll tell you, when I turned 50, I went to Mount Rushmore. It's a monumental birthday. You should see a monument. So think about that when you turn 50. Maybe I should be in Mount Rushmore right now. <laughs> well, I was hoping for a deep powder day and a big backflip off of a cliff in Utah somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice, too. Although those... Those activities usually end up, Christian, in my office. Those flips are better known as pre-op. Thank you very much. Well, you know, I'm 49. I've been skiing my whole life. And um, out in Utah, I log 100 days plus a year. Never been uh, injured skiing, but what I'm calling you about is an injury from one of my summer passions, Frisbee golf. Mm. So, Tell me what happened. I'm sure you're familiar with the... Um, Sidearm pitcher Brett Saberhagen. Yes, I am. Back in like the 80s. Mm -hmm. Yes, I am. Also, um, so basically in frisbee golf, you throw a flick, which is very mm -hmm. similar to a tennis forehand or a sidearm pitch like a Saberhagen. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's a pretty violent motion. Um, I've gone to a shoulder specialist. I don't have any rotator cuff or AC problems. But when I initiate that flick, and apply all that power, it's the muscle that just gives out on me. Yeah. I won't, I won't throw any flicks or rollers similar to a quarterback's throw for like a month, and I'll feel good. And then first day back, bam, I get like a knot down below on the backside of the shoulder, and, I mean, it's insufferable. I was actually yep. down in L.A. last weekend with my daughter out at the Cove in uh, not San Pedro, right over there below Redondo. Yep, Palace Verdes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so she's like, I want to learn how to skip rocks, Daddy. And I tried to skip a rock, and I was like, oh, my God, I can't do it. Mm -hmm. So I tried doing it lefty, no problem. But I'm really curious, could it be something as simple as the way I sleep on my shoulder? That certainly can aggravate it. But you're I can tell you what's going on. There's a combination of what holds your shoulder in place. Yes, they're ligaments. Yes, it's the muscles when they contract helps, but there is another static structure called the capsule. It's not the labrum and it's not the rotator cuff, but it actually is the, do you listen to the show? You know what clapper vision is? Oh yeah, you got me once last year. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna let you know what basically it is. If you today had some fried chicken and you broke apart the joint, that crack, that snap that you are breaking apart is not the tendon, is not the muscle, but the connection that holds the ball and the socket joint in place, kind of like a canvas um, Ziploc bag is the capsule that holds the ball and socket joint in place, and it allows the joint fluid to lubricate the joint to stay in place. You, like Urias, the pitcher for the Dodgers, definitely have stretched out the capsule. And so what that does is 
if it's not exactly vacuum packed around the ball and socket joint, but now has been stretched a little bit, you now have to fire your muscle. It almost needs to go into spasm to help keep the ball and socket joint in place. This may be something similar to what we see in, in Bam's situation in the Miami Heat uh, with his shoulder, that there is a feeling, not of dislocation, but of mild subluxation, that, that their ball and socket joint is going to be stretched too far from each other, and now you must recruit the muscles to fire immediately to keep the ball and socket joint in place. They talk to each other. So you'll do an MRI, and all the structures we're looking at look perfectly fine. The, the labrum looks good. The capsule looks good. You can't tell the difference on an MRI between a stretched capsule versus one that is normal. You can't see that on an MRI. And certainly the rotator cuff, they're going into spasm. These are normal muscles in your case going into spasm to help that problem. You absolutely, if you're in the hands of a really good physical therapist, can teach yourself how to strengthen these muscles so that you can abuse yourself with the ultimate Frisbee golf. Who's the best physical therapist? I don't know anybody up where you live in Truckee in Lake Tahoe, but there's a great one here in Pasadena, Warrior Physical Therapy. His name is Martin. Get a hold of him. He'll be able to help you. And thanks so much for checking in, Christian. Warriors, I leave you with Valari. Until next week, I'll see you on the radio.